Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Thanks to the good people at Pepsi, our fearless leader Burned got a chance to sit down, virtually of course, with the McCordy twins, Jason and Devin. Uh, so we're going to play that interview for you here. Uh, it's a great conversation. We're going to be back. This is the only thing we have for you today. We are going to be back this weekend uh, with a reaction to, 50, to the 53-man roster, but we thought this interview was so good uh, and so interesting that we had to give it to you uh, in podcast form. So here is Burned talking with the McCordy twins. For tomorrow's launch and kicking off this conversation. Wonderful. Uh, yeah, good morning to you as well, guys. Um, so the press release about this... Um, Pepsi cooperation it matches the fans quite a bit and I wonder how important it is for you to personally especially in this day and age with a lot of division going on in the country physically um, socially um, how important it is for you to to connect with people and to connect people yeah, uh, I don't know if I would uh, particularly tie in what's gone on in the country uh, with an exact game day experience. I think uh, our connection to the community uh, will need to go far beyond that. But I think um, there's been a lot of changes to the football season this year, and this gives us a very unique opportunity to try to engage fans. And uh, although some won't be at the game, but still trying to give them that kind of game day uh, experience at home, I think is very important. I know for us, our mom already has been texting us nonstop to know, are there going to be fans or are not going to be fans? So I think uh, some of the things we've been able to do, uh, partner uh, with Pepsi, I think will kind of bring that uh, to their houses. So we've already uh, shot a video uh trying to endorse a campaign we're trying to do uh, where we're going to be talking about breaking down plays weekly to try to give fans a little bit of that inside scoop of uh, what goes on in a player's mind, also give away jerseys. Uh, so, you know, and especially this year, I think with it being new jerseys for us here uh, in New England, a fan can sit at home on a Sunday afternoon, uh, pop some popcorn, make some chicken wings, throw on a jersey and feel like you're front row and center at the game, you know. Well, you mentioned fans not being there, or at least not in the setting that we used to. Um, I wonder how, for you to play in positions that are very much dependent on communication, how do you view the change in the surrounding and environment with no fans being in the stadium, at least for the first few weeks? How does it change your approach to the, the game, to the communication aspect within the secondary? Um, it, it will be interesting. I think, you know, we obviously, we got to go in the stadium, um, uh, one of the practices in training camp. And I think for practice, you just don't think about it. Like when we're in there, um, you're just practicing, you're playing. Um, but we got a little used to like what the crowd noise, I guess you call it, what the PA system, what the music uh, will be playing. Um, but I think 
for us, honestly, it'll be a little easier to communicate and just from in our home games, you know, you get a big game, it gets third down, the fans really start yelling and going crazy. We won't have that as much. So um, we'll, we should be able to communicate easier. But I think, like you just said, for our position group, it's something we can't take for granted. We got to continue to communicate, do the things we do. Um, but yeah, it will just be different without hearing, you know, usually almost 70,000 people screaming, stomping their feet. Uh, we won't have that. So, um, but I think we're preparing ourselves from a, a a physical standpoint and talking about it. But I think mentally until we go through being out there in a the game and it's, you know, third down with two minutes left in the game and it's a huge, like we won't know that feeling yet until we get that first experience. So um, it'll be exciting just to, to be out there. I think fans will love, even though they can't be there, just to have football back, have something to look forward to um, and cheering on their favorite team, especially in New England. You know, people love the Patriots. So uh, us being back out there, I think will be awesome for a lot of people. And it will be awesome for me, and I'm sure it will be awesome for you as well. So that's at least three people who are excited. <laughs> so um, I want to, you know, do you think experience within your position group helps adapt to the situation? Because, you know, the two of you have been around for quite some time. You know, you have Stefan, you have JC, who's also been here a few years. Um, when it comes to adapting to a situation like this, that is very much unique. Does it help to have played together for quite some time now? Uh, I'm not sure if it, if it helps. I think at this point, um, this is going to be a new experience for everybody. Uh, no matter how long you've played in a league, you've never played uh, in a game with zero fans. You've never played uh, during a season and went through a training camp with some of the guidelines that we've had to adhere to. So I think for everybody, it's kind of all about, you know, starting anew and getting used to uh, a new normal. And I think uh, for us, um, that's why it's so important. Like you just said, practice and everything to try to prepare yourself uh, for what it's going to be like uh, when game day comes around. But kind of with, to what Dev said, we all still have no idea uh, what that's going to look like until we get out there. Uh, and it almost may feel a little bit more like a practice than it does an actual game. So uh, it's going to be way, we're going to have to try to find ways uh, to make it feel like what it's felt like for me to pass 11 years and Dev the past decade. So uh, I think maybe experience may come into that play of just knowing, hey, we got to figure out a way uh, to get through this. So one thing like the team will have to get through is, is kept down days coming on Saturday. And I wonder how the two of you, you're experienced veterans, you've been through all this before. How do you approach a day like this? How do you do you do anything special? Do you prepare like it's a normal day knowing that, hey, like 27 of my teammates will get the X? How does it feel for you personally? Um, it's tough, man. I think, honestly, uh, I know for me, I'll speak just for myself because I think Jay's journey's a little different than mine. Um, I've been blessed that, you know, each day on cut day, I really haven't thought about, you know, making a team. I, I was fortunate enough to get drafted in the first round. And then, you know, each time after that, I've been one of the, the leaders and, you know, starters on the team. Um, but I think each time this day comes around, I try to take time to really understand how blessed and fortunate I am, you know, whether it's injuries, whether it's personal things, so many things hold people back um, that you really don't have control over sometimes and don't give them the same opportunity to make a team. And then, um, you know, 
this year has been a little different, but, you know, usually call it for a month, two months. We're together in the spring and then in the summer, and I watch guys give it everything they have from waking up early, fighting through injuries, studying, doing all of those things, and it's to really earn a spot on the team. And when you fall short of that, um, it is just devastating. But I always try to encourage guys to understand um, that you really you got to look at not making a team or call it a failure or whatever you want to call it. But you got to look at it as something that's part of the process and is going to propel you forward into whatever your next step is, your next you know journey, uh, the next step of your journey, whatever that uh, holds. I, I try to encourage guys that way. Um, but it's never fun watching you know young guys come in there and, and try to really make a team um, and fall short of their goal. Um, I think for anybody, I think fans, everyone can relate to that of just, you know, trying to do something you really love and passionate about um, and not getting, you know, the exact goal that you want. Um, I think we all can relate to that because we've all had those experiences in our life. Yeah. And like Dev said, my experience has been uh, almost a little bit of the opposite of Dev to start out when I was drafted at the end of the sixth round. So for me, I, I remember my rookie year cut down day. Uh, the way we used to do it, I was in Tennessee at the time, but we'd all be in the building on uh, uh, one of the big cut days. And I literally remember at that time, I got drafted with Kenny Britt. We were college teammates and then we were teammates in Tennessee for five years. Uh, but that first, that our rookie year cut down day, I remember us, me hiding out in kind of the players' lounge, thinking that, hey, if I'm in here, they may not, they may not come and find me. Uh, but I just remember being extremely nervous. Um, and then realizing I made the team that weekend, just a little bit of, of relief, but then that relief quickly turns into kind of concern because you realize week in and week out, you're going to have to continue to make the team uh, all over again and continue to earn your spot. And I think uh, to the effect with Dev said, at the end of the day, uh, you're going to see sometimes young players, sometimes old players, the dream for a little while stops and is put on pause. So uh, it's, 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 it's tough watching uh, guys get cut. And that's not only now a cut down day, but that's through the season. I'll give you a little uh, anecdote from, I remember my rookie year, uh, we went through cuts and we cut down to 20 something odd players. And then we all went into our bubble and we went through stretch lines to kind of just do a functional warm up to get your body rolling. And all like Dev said, all from the spring throughout training camp, you have these long stretch lines of 10, 11, 12 people in it, kind of by position groups. And then you go out there after the cut down day and you look around and it's two people in this line, four people in that line. And it's kind of the realization of just like, man, like I can never take this for granted. And each and every year I'm able to take part in a training camp is a privilege in itself. Uh, but when I'm able to still be standing after cut down day is something uh, to be proud and to be thankful for. Devin, I think you mentioned something that I found very interesting is encouraging young players. And um, we spoke with Brian Hoyer like the other day, and he said that he was incredibly pr proud to be part of this locker room in New England. And I wonder how you, how the two of you, um, see your roles within the locker room and how, um, how those comments reflect on you as leaders within the team. When somebody like Brian Hoyer says he's incredibly proud to be part of this this room. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome to be a part of a locker room. Um, you know, before I was more of like an older uncle because Tom, Tom was like the grandfather of the group. Um, but now with him leaving, you know, it's like we're all grandparents in there with Hoyer, myself, Slate, Jules, and then J-Mac. Um, but I, I think 
we all understand how unique it is to be in a locker room because you have so many different people from all different backgrounds, um, all parts of the country. I mean, we got Jakob from Germany, um, you know, and I think we get to have strong bonds. We get to know each other. Um, and I've always said every year I've been in New England, no matter what the outcome has been, um, we've always just had great people in the locker room, whether that's being a part of charities, um, whether it's going to all of the different charitable events that the Patriots host. We've always had guys that care about more than just winning football games. And I've always been extremely proud to just be a part of that and, and to be able to be a part of the Patriots team, um, which when you say the Patriots team, it embodies so many different great individuals. Um, so for me, that's always been an honor. And this will be my 11th year um, with that honor of just being able to represent all those guys in the locker room. And um, my goal has always been to teach the younger guys what the older guys taught me, whether that was Kevin Falk, Vince Wolford, Gerard Mayo, who's there now still coaching. But those guys taught me so much coming into the league um, that I've always thought, you know, my role is always to pass that down and pay it forward. So, you know, um, there's a lot of talk about the defense as a whole, you know, with Dante leaving, with Patrick leaving, Kyle, all those guys. Um, now, with, I think it's 11 days until the season opener, which feels unreal, by the way. With, um, how do you see the state of the defense at the time? I've never been a, one of those guys, like, kind of the state of the union of, like, here, this is where we're at. Because you kind of don't know where you're at until you get out there and you go against somebody else. You're competing in practice. Uh, I feel like we're always throughout this season, you're always going to be a work in progress. And uh, each and every day you're trying to go out there and you're trying to work to get a little bit better each day, a little bit better, a little bit better. Uh, and even as you go out there and you start to play games, even within those games every Sunday, you're trying to still grow and get better as a team on week one to get better for week two. So uh, I feel like that's where we're at as a defense. You know, like you just said, we've had a lot of guys uh, who are not here who were here last year. And, I mean, that's the NFL. You know, we had guys leave to free agency. Uh, obviously, this year has been unique. We've had guys that have opted out. And uh, so that changes things. So you have some young guys, some new guys. So I think we've done a really good job of getting here and training camp being the first time we've actually been able to physically be together, of just getting in here, trying to build that chemistry and making sure we're all learning the defense and we're all on the same page. So uh, I would say the state of our defense right now is uh, we're still a work in progress and we're still getting better each and every day. And uh, that's going to be our goal, uh, you know, throughout the entire season. And uh, like you said, like I said, this has been very unique uh, of, a, of a training camp in itself. Um, and even kind of how we started, you think about training camp practices, there's no fans. And uh, for my entire career, this is the first time that training camps kind of feel like OTAs because uh, there's no fans. And then you see the sprinkled media members uh, and a little bit of stands that we have there. So I think that's kind of what brings us here today is continuing to, to try to bring fans into the game and to continue to talk about getting them involved. So it's kind of like that perfect segue of something that we're thinking of as players and uh, trying to contribute to. That's like the perfect, you know, perfect ending. But I have to ask you one question, though. Have you seen the Bill Belichick commercial? I haven't. I haven't seen I, it. I will say, I saw, I will say this. I guarantee if you watch our Pepsi video on, and what we did with Pepsi, you will like it 10 times more uh, than what Will did with Subway. Ours is way better. It's funnier. Uh, we got more action. Um, his only highlight was cutting off the sleeves, which I will say that was pretty cool. Um, but once you see us wearing a bunch of jerseys and singing songs, 
you'll understand why I feel like our Pepsi commercial uh, will outshine uh, Coach Belichick. So um, we'll have to bring that up, and, and uh, I'll try to go side by side in our squad meeting um, <laughs> and, and see, and see uh, who who really thinks it had a better commercial. I mean, the bar has been raised, and I'm, I'm pretty sure you're going to jump over it. So, um, well, that's it for me. I think you'll still have a few talks lined up. So I just wanted to tell you, I hope you're staying safe out there, and um, thanks for doing this. Oh, no problem. Appreciate you. Thanks. Appreciate it. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.